I remained kneeling for a while and then lit some candles, trying to pretend that I hadn't heard that message clearly in my head. How about some other project? Working with children, maybe. I was good at that. Or some other nice, neat, clean line of work. All my life I had been a somewhat skittish person, nervous about unusual or ominous-looking people, frightened when drunks or homeless people approached me on the street. It was something I didn't want to see. Their intrusion into my neat, orderly, clean life was something I wanted to avoid, not embrace. But suddenly, in reality, there was no longer perfect order in any aspect of my life anyway. With my son's death and husband's departure, my life was a mess. My life, head, and heart were in disarray. Nick's death had nearly destroyed me. My whole family was badly shaken. Everything had changed. My children were remarkable to me and one another during that incredibly hard time. There was a sense of solidarity and determined survival from children who were still so young, five of them from nine to fifteen at the time of their brother's death and still at home. Although we were very close before Nick's death, it has created an even stronger bond between us since. I remember thinking one night right after he died, as we all gathered for dinner, that we were like survivors of the Titanic or some other shipwreck, huddled over our plates and barely able to speak in our communal pain. And yet we hung on to one another, determined to get through it and one day come to life again. It was a slow and grueling process, with some heavy bumps along the way. Into that atmosphere of life gone awry, and even despair, came the remarkable message I heard in church. Help the homeless. Nuts. No, no. Anything but that. I resisted the thought with all my might. But I also remembered Nick had always been particularly sensitive to the plight of the homeless. Whenever he saw a homeless person, he would stop what he was doing, go to the nearest restaurant or food store, and buy them a meal and a pack of smokes. He would return with his offering, never too busy to take the time to do it. He visited shelters, and as the lead singer of an increasingly successful band, he performed at family shelters whenever he could. So I knew that helping the homeless would have been meaningful to him, which made the voice harder to ignore. But I still didn't like the idea. Not at all. I had already organized a non-profit foundation in his name to assist the mentally ill. But this was different. It was about the homeless. Because the idea had come to me in prayer, the message had a sacred meaning to me and I felt as though I was supposed to follow it, even if I didn't want to. It was close to Christmas, and it seemed like I'd just been given an assignment from upstairs. I argued with the idea anyway. Wherever the message came from, I spent several more minutes on my knees in church that night, negotiating. Come on, God. Not that. How about something else? No deal. The message kept coming like a subliminal ad. Help the homeless. Too bad if you don't like it. You asked who to help. I told you. Now go do it. I was not thrilled. Worse, I had a strange, overwhelming feeling that I had no choice. But believe me, the thought of helping the homeless scared me to death. Being at close range seemed terrifying. I suspect this isn't a unique reaction, since most of us would rather pretend the homeless don't exist. People look through them on the streets, turn away, don't meet their eyes, and whenever possible would prefer to cross the street to avoid them.
Most people would rather leave solving the problem and ministering to the homeless to someone else. And to be honest, in my own ignorance that night, so would I. But being a religious person, I figured I had been given a job, and however I felt about it, no matter how reluctant or terrified I was, there was no turning back, no way to act as though I hadn't heard what I did. I was sorry I had asked, as I walked quietly out of church. I thought about the response to my prayers when I went home that night and the next day and the day after, but the clear directive wouldn't go away. And finally I thought, okay, God, I get it, I hear you. Okay, I'll do it. I figured that doing it once would get me off the hook, and hell, I could do anything once. Couldn't I? Yeah, right. So I thought about what to do. I asked a dedicated employee of mine if he'd come out with me on a night just before Christmas, and being a kind...